0: Grambling bounces back in a major way in week two. Can anybody tell me how Virginia Union didn't make the cut for the top 25 in the D2 rankings? And then also, these games might not be our game of the week, but they are definitely some you need to watch. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU. Your daily podcast covering HBCU sports, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything hbcu athletics monday through friday part of the locked on podcast network your team every day and i of course am darian gray aka the mouth of the south texas southern alum and former tsu herald sports editor thank you for going on this journey with me making locked on hbcu your first listen of the day every day and remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over it just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives and i want to hop out and i want to talk about grambling because i feel as if they bounced back in a major way in week two they lost to arkansas state in week one and if you remember i want to say i spent the lion's share of the first half of last week just talking about how these week one matchups don't mean too much especially when these week one matchups come up against an FBS opponent, there was one exception today, and that was grambling. So what made them so special that I had to take them out of y'all facing an FBS opponent? Why did I take them out of that category? And it was simple. It wasn't about who they played. It wasn't about the result of the game, because those are the things that I said don't really matter when you're talking about FBS opponents. It was because of penalties. I felt like there was a lack of discipline. Now, this is week one in a new regime. There are no tendencies. If you have a coach who's been around for at least a year, and then in week one you have the same issues you had the year prior, or maybe at any point in their, their tenure, now you can say, all right, man, here we go again. But there is no feel of that in week one. So, yeah, I think they had a turnover or a penalty issue with 15 penalties. However, it's not a tendency yet. I do feel like it was something you needed to be concerned about and something you needed to nip in the bud basically imi- immediately. There is no winning if you're going to continue to shoot yourself in the foot because they have pre-snap penalties, right? You don't want penalties at all. However, pre-snap penalties to me show a disconnect, not, not just the coaching staff, but a disconnect between the coaching staff and the players. I think that's the difference, truly. You know, That's where I sit down and I say, okay, what's going on? Why do you have so many delayed games? What's going on with the communication? So now let's look at the penalties and the difference between week one to week two. So in week one, you have 15 penalties by grambling. That's way too much. I don't care if you're going against an FBS opponent or not. That is way too many penalties, right? And it wasn't as if I don't think many were holding. So holding is a penalty where you might be able to say, oh, man, I can't block this guy because he's, he's, he's better, right? Oh, that's, a, that's the difference in talent level. Oh, he couldn't block him, so he had to do something. He held. No, there's like five delayed games. That has nothing to do with who's across the field from you. That's about not getting communication to the system or communication to the players through the system fast enough. That's what that is, right? Those are things that you should feel like, okay, we can fix that no matter who we're going against. Let's not have five delayed games. Well, in this game, you had offsides, offsides, defensive personal foul, holding on your special teams, blocking the back on your special teams, illegal substitution on your defense, uh, holding on your special teams as well, roughing the passer, a false start, and then another defensive personal foul. That's one offensive penalty. One. It's a it's a pre-snap penalty, but it's only one. So even then, you dropped it down from five. I think there might have been a false start or something in, in the last game as well, but I just remember the amount of delay of games. That's really what stuck out to me in Grambling versus Arkansas State was the amount of delay of games. Not one here. You had one false start. of your First off, you knocked it down from 15 to 10 total, okay? That's a, a nice cut. You want to get it down even more, but that's a good start. And the fact that you were able to clean up the penalties on the offensive side so quickly, just in a matter of one game, it gives me confidence that, well, you can clean it up on the defensive side. How many times you're gonna have three uh blocking uh fouls on on, on on your special teams? Not often. Holding, blocking the back, and holding. All all blocking fouls, essentially, right? Um, it just sounded so weird coming out of my mouth because I say blocking foul. I'm thinking about basketball. But you have three penalties on your special teams, right? These are situations where I don't judge the secondary, I mean I don't judge the defense because personal fouls and roughing the passers I need to see them like I need to really see what happened for me to make a judgment so I'm not even really going to speak on them too much you would you would hate to see offsides a couple of times against Jackson State this week but you know sometimes those happen I don't know if you lined up in a neutral zone I don't know if you're trying to test the, the snap I don't know what it was right delay a game was easy for me to point out because I can say all right you got to get that better and there were no f- or one f- pre-snap penalty and you saw it in the way that the offense operated Right. And I could speak statistically and we're going to get to that in a second. But at the same time, it just ran smoother. It's amazing how how the communication can help an offense. Right. Because you're no longer. And I know it's a difference in talent level, too, between Arkansas State and um um man, hi, I just caught a, a brain fart on who they played. Um Northwestern State. Right. So it's a it's a difference in talent level. And that probably helped the offense as well. But no pre-snap penalties is a sign that communication between your coaching staff, Hugh Jackson specifically, because he's really the offensive coordinator. So Hugh Jackson and then also Cotarius uh, Hawkins at the quarterback position. It's a, sh- it's a sign that everything is going better. Everything is getting more fluid. And if you want to pick apart things to, to look for within games, right, because we've had a couple of games that they're not conference games. You're going against bigger opponents. You're, you're, you're doing other things and you want to pick apart certain things. The increase or or the upgrade, I probably should say, the upgrade in communication between coach to quarterback is something that should persist throughout the rest of the season, and it's something that you should really be happy with. So I'm happy with that, and let's get into the benefactors of a smoother offense. And 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 it's already Maurice Washington, five carries, 95 yards. <laughs> you probably would want him to get to a to a hundred. Um, I did like, come on, give him the rock one more time. He was, he was rattling off at 19 a pop. He had a 61 yard carry. And even if you want to take that out, even if you want to take out the 61 yard carry, he still averaged eight yards a pop. So let's not act like it was just one run that carried everything, right? He was a very effective player for Grambling, had two touchdowns in addition to that. Um, Quaterius Hawkins, like I said, at the quarterback position, um, I don't think there's as much of a, a controversy as I said last week. Um, it seems like this is their guy and they're going to roll with them. He threw the ball, had three wide receivers with more than 80 yards. Three of them had 70 yard or more uh, catches, like, right, one play that was 70 or more yards. And then also a wide receiver with 20 or more yards. You took those four wide receivers and you add that running running back, right? You add, you add Washington's 61-yard carry. That's five plays of explosive yards. That's five of them. That's impressive. That's something you want to persist. And as somebody who has called Grambling their dark horse to come out the west, right, I'm not sure if they're going to win it, but I think that people have, there's people who are talking down on Grambling and think they might come in like fourth, right? I think they're competing for first. As somebody who believes that, I really hope this is the Grambling that we're going to see all season long. I think they can clean up these penalties to where they're only getting six, seven a game. I I really do. And I think that their improved discipline from week one to week two will extend to the defense going into week three. As we continue rolling with the episode, however, we're going to talk about Virginia Union, who they had what I believe is the victory of the year, and they're not even a top 25 team afterwards. To me, that's ridiculous. Before we get into that, I want to tell you, about bet online it's the it's the number one place to make your watching experience even better i could sit here watch a game root for somebody think somebody's going to win because we all predict who we think is going to win but then i can go to bet online and actually get some money with it when i'm right because you know i I listen to locked on hbcu i listen to to our conference shows i listen to our nfl shows and locked on got me right i know exactly what i'm gonna do when i'm betting. Well, now let's go make some money on Bet Online. They have the best odds than anywhere you can find out. You look at Bet Online, they are also the most versatile. They have football, basketball, combat sports, baseball, hockey, anything you want. Esports, everything is available at Bet Online. They are also the fastest and easiest. What a ways you on all of your favorite sports, Bet Online, where the game starts. As we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. And today's word of the day is broadside, and it means a strongly worded attack. Now, I might go on a broadside right now on the AFCA polls because how, tell me this, how is Virginia Union not a top 25 Division II team? Riddle me that, Batman. You know, I came on here earlier... In the week and I said, I think that Virginia Union has the best HBCU victory of the year and it will stay that way. That's how big and how major not only I feel, right? Not, not it's not how major I feel this victory is. That's how major this victory is. Like it's there's no I feel about it. It's it's in concrete. I thought this was going to be the win that put Virginia Union on the map. I thought this was going to be the win that got Virginia Union some respect, made, made some, some waves in the D2 rankings for the AFCA. I thought this was going to be the, the game that got Jada Byers on the radar. Now, I think the last two kind of happened, but the first two, not at all. I don't see any respect for Virginia Union. I don't feel like this put them on the map. It should have. Now, there was some waves, mate. There was some waves, mate. Um, first off, Jada Byers is the D2Football.com offensive player of the week. You we have 319 yards. It's pretty hard to deny 319 yards on the ground, right? it's not a it's not a a quarterback throwing. This is like a wide receiver getting 319 yards. It's a running back getting 319 yards. This is a this is an achievement that's pretty hard to really deny, right? This is a CIAA record. This is this is a situation where Virginia Union might have been denied respect, but there was no way to do that for Jada Byers. He he undoubtedly had the best performance in the D2 ranks over the week, right? So that's, okay, cool, whatever. This did make some waves. Valdosta State dropped 12 spots, but somehow, some way, even though they could measure the impact of a loss on Valdosta State, I believe that the AFCA incorrectly estimated the value of a win for Virginia Union. This is this is disappointing, right? So all that negative reaction for Vadas to somebody had to beat him. It should be an equal, right? Well, I think that's Newton's law. Uh for every reaction is an equal or opposite reaction. Um, I've been out of school with that kind of stuff for a long time, but I think that's right. I, I think that's right. Um, but yeah, there should be an equal or or uh opposite positive reaction for Virginia Union that just is not here. Let's remember. In this same poll, right? This is, we're not going around. In the same AFCA poll, Valdosta State was number three. Unfortunately, with the way that their website is set up, I can't go look at week two's rankings, right? So they always tell you the top 25, and then they're also going to be those teams that got votes but didn't make the cut. That's where Virginia Union sits right now. They sit in that got votes but didn't make the cut. I want to know where they were last week. If they were getting any votes for the top 25 last week, they 100% should be in it this week. Um, Most times, if you defeat a team that is top three in rankings, you are going to make that jump. This is something that Coach Parker said. He said if it happened to be the big boys, Alabama, Georgia, they had lost, whoever beat them would be ranked in the top 25. I 100% agree with that. If somebody had beat Bama or Georgia, that team would move up heavily, Right. Like we look at Florida who knocked off Utah and they went from unranked to, man, I think they might have been like 12 or something. I could be wrong. They were either 12 or 20. They played Kentucky and it was a match of 12 versus 20. So Florida either moved to uh, 12 or 20 after that, that game. And they beat Utah at number seven. Union beat Valdosta at number three, the runner up to the D2 championships. I don't think there was enough movement. They did get more votes to be in the top 25, but not enough, in my opinion. And it's not as if this was just one game and they were they were poor the first game. No, they they knocked off Lynchburg 77 to nothing. 77 to nothing. Like I I, I laugh because I I sometimes don't understand. And Coach Parker mentioned how he wishes that computers just came in for this because Take the human emotion out of it. This is a major victory that deserves a top 25 placement. And you blew out the last opponent 77 to nothing. So you've put up a total of 132 points over the last two two weeks. And 45 of them came against a top three ranked team. This is a, a victory that I think is hard to minimize. But somehow the AFCA voters have done it by making Virginia Union not only not top 25, they're 27th ranked. I looked at the points. They're, they're 27th ranked. I just don't understand how you came to this conclusion after a victory of that magnitude. It just doesn't make sense to me, right? A dominant week one, followed up by knocking off a top three team, and this is the respect they get. Um, I really do wish that I knew what last week's ranking looked like. Let's look at this week's top 25, because you did have two teams who jumped into the top 25, though they were unranked last week. In that Saginaw Valley State, they beat Bowie, They went from unranked to 23. Bowie was only number nine. Then you look at Minnesota State. They knocked off Minnesota Duluth, who was also unranked, and they went from not ranked to 24. Neither one of those victories are better than Union's victory over Valdosta State. Now, this is why knowing the previous week is important, because you can sit here and say that. Neither one of these wins are better. How did they jump from unranked to ranked? Um, Who knows? Maybe they were right on the precipice, and they got in. While Virginia Union, they didn't have any votes for the top twenty-five, so now they make they have to make a larger jump. I don't know. I do know that I believe that this this victory was worthy of a top twenty-five placement, but unfortunately, they did not get it. Um, this is something that Coach Parker said, and I I will leave off with with this. He said, "You beat them, talking about Valdosta State at their place." I think that speaks volumes about the type of program that you have, and it did deserve some form of national recognition so now they're sitting there at 27 hoping that somebody falls off so that they can get into the top 25 when they really earned it themselves through their own victory if you got the answer on how they not top 25 please let me know if you have a screenshot of last week's um poll at south exclusive please drop it at me because i want to know and i want to be able to gauge it i just couldn't find it I've, I've admitted I'm not the most technologically savvy guy at my age, but I I couldn't find it. I don't think it's out there. I don't think they they keep track of it. It's just every week it's new. And they tell you what the previous rankings were for those teams in the top 25. But I don't get to see those teams who didn't make the cut. Now, going forward, going forward, we have some games that you need to watch this week. They don't quite make the cut for our game of the week. We'll talk about that on tomorrow's episode. But these are still some games you need to watch. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you making us your first listen of the day. Every day, it is important. Sometimes I just say it after the uh, first segment, but I wanted to say it going into the third segment today as well because I truly do appreciate you guys um, you guys ran up that last video really quickly, so shout out to you on that. I really do thank you for it. Now let's get into some of our games of the week. Mm, no, games we need to watch. I need some sort of distinction between the game of the week and then games that you just need to watch out for. And I'm going to start off with the New York Football Classic, and that's between Morehouse and Howard. To me, this is a it's a cultural game, right? There's game like Southern versus LSU. That's not a game we really cared about the impact for, I Even after the game, somebody was like, don't nobody care about that football, bro? This was for the culture, and that's what I think this game is. I think that this New York football classic, though I do expect it to be a better game than the Battle for Baton Rouge, I think that this game is about bringing the HBCU life to New York. Um, I just don't see many New Yorkers on hbcus um i actually caught y'all gonna get tired of me uh, referencing coach g but i don't i don't i be scrolling through twitter and i'll be seeing a lot of his tweets he be letting them fly and i be agreeing with a lot of things that he says um and this is one of them for sure and and it's the fact that they just don't recruit well in new york hbcus period i just personally have not seen a lot of new york representation on my own hbcu right just talking about students And then I also haven't seen much HBCU representation in New York as far as far as the players and where they're from. So I think that this could have the same kind of impact as Chris Paul's showcase in the West. Right. He wanted to make sure that his boost mobile uh, HBCU basketball challenge was in the West to bring exposure to that part of the country. Well, maybe that's going to be the same thing here. The only difference is. I think it's also going to be on the coaches and the scouts to go up to these Northeastern places and actually start recruiting more because I don't think it's simply, oh, These New Yorkers don't have interest in HBCUs. I think it has to be a two-way street. I heard Najee Harris talking about how Alabama just didn't recruit in the West much before his recruiting class and how that's a little bit different now. It just takes a couple of people to really get things going. So um, to the actual teams, I think there's no better way to start up with HBCU exposure in this region than two of the more iconic HBCUs. These are one of the ones that people just know. Like people know Morehouse. People know Howard. It just is what it is. I think these are two really good teams to bring to this. Now, they're both looking for their first win of the season. Neither one has had any success this year. I thought that um, Quentin Williams played better. You look at his stats, they're much better against Hampton in week two than they were, or I guess week one. It's always confusing when you have these teams that play week zero. I want to say week two instead of week one because it's their second game, but that's not the case. So, Quentin Williams' stats look better against Hampton in week one than they did against Alabama State in week zero. If he plays that way, I think they go ahead and win this game. But that's going to be a key. They're both looking to get that first victory. Howard's going to need it quick. Howard is going to need it quick. I think they might need it even more than Morehouse. Um, And speaking of, of Hampton, right, because Howard did lose against Hampton, I think that's my next game to watch. And that's Norfolk State versus Hampton. Two completely different teams. Norfolk is looking for their first victory in the same way that Morehouse and Howard is. But you're looking at Hampton, they're looking to stay undefeated. It's two completely different things. Um, My biggest storyline is we finally, finally get to see the true Norfolk State. Norfolk State has faced two teams in the first two weeks of the season that honestly I do not feel like we should truly evaluate Norfolk State against. It hasn't been pretty. It hasn't been pretty at all. So when I say that you can only take good, like these FBS opponents are only extra credit where you can get points up, but you can't really get points taken from you. That's that. That's the biggest team I'm going to point to. I'm not going to take anything from them. But now finally, I get to see who they really are. I get to see what they're really about. Not against no Marshall, not against no James Madison. Even when James Madison was in the FCS, they were a really good FCS team. That probably would have thumped them. So... Now they're on the FBS level. I think they just joined the Sun Belt. I could be wrong, but I think that's the the conference. I could just be trying to write everybody into the Sun Belt. Um, but yeah, that is not a true matchup that I'm evaluating Norfolk State against. I'm just not. But now against a team that I think should be relatively their equal, right? You, you lose to, to Hampton, there's no, oh, you took that jump excuse. No, this is a game that you're supposed to win. And Hampton is also supposed to win. But it's up for, it's a toss-up, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Um, there, I want to see the real J.J. Davis. J.J. Davis has averaged six yards a game this year. Last year, he averaged seven yards a carry. Now, I think I know who the real J.J. Davis is, and I think it's the guy we saw last, last year. Not last week or the week before, you know. But we have to see it. Now is the time. Honestly, I think that J.J. Davis's lack of success in the... the I don't think he took that big of a step back. So I think that his lack of success is truly the biggest tell in kind of a microcosm of Norfolk State as a, as a whole. You can't really judge J.J. Davis. This is the preseason MEAC player of the year. I expect him to be better than six yards a carry or six yards a game. I expect more like five, seven yards a carry. That's what I'm looking for out of J.J. Davis. And I think that's what you should be looking for as well. And that's the reason I'm sitting here like, no, I'm not judging them for real. Meanwhile, Hampton, they started off 2-0 for the first time since 2011. Looking for their first 3-0 start for the first time since 2007. These These are a long time. Right? Like, this was a long time ago. Hampton is on a roll in a way that they have not been. And I know it's only two weeks, but we look at the last time they've done it and now they're doing it going into a new conference. This is important. If you knock off Norfolk State, them Pirates gonna be feeling real good going into their new conference of the CAA. So that's why I think it's important. And honestly, this Hampton versus Norfolk State game, of all the games that I'm putting in the need to watch category, I think this is the game that might be the hardest to pick the winner of. I really don't know what Norfolk State is. I do not know. And Hampton, they playing like I ain't seen them play before. Alright, now with that being said, let's get into our final game to watch, but it's not our game of the week, and that's Jackson State versus Grambling, um, I knew I didn't want to make Jackson State the game of the week, not three weeks in a row, um, just no, I think there's some high-profile matchups that you can maybe point to, and they'll probably have another game of the week later on down the road, but not this week, not this week against Grambling, and honestly, it's not even a game to watch from Jackson State's point of view, in my opinion, I'm looking at it from Hugh Jackson and Grambling, um, Hugh Jackson did not um, adopt a a, a weakling program. That's not what he did. He didn't adopt a a program that is trying to rebuild. They had a bad year last year, but they're used to winning. And I can guarantee you that Grambling fans, Graham fam has not gotten used to losing in a way where, okay, we we might need to build up. They're probably looking for immediate success. And I've talked about this. They're not a school who, oh, you knocked off one of the lesser teams in a division. We happy. No. This is a school and a fan base, in my opinion, that is looking for high-level victories. I'm looking at Jackson State. I'm looking at Southern. These are two big-time games, all corn as well. These are three big-time games for Hugh Jackson and Grambling. This is the first one of the trifecta. Let's see what he can do, man. I, I, I don't know. I think Grambling or Jackson State is the cream of the crop in the swag. But when I look at the way that Grambling played last, last week against Northwestern State, explosive. They're going up against a team that hasn't even had a miniature explosion, explosion let up against their defense. They ain't even had a firecracker pop against their defense. But last week, Gramlin had five explosive plays. Can they do that this week against a likely way more uh a stronger defense? We'll see. This is things that we we really need to watch. But Gramlin versus Jackson State might not have made the cut. But you definitely need to watch these games. I'm looking at the New York Football Classic. Morehouse versus Howard. Hampton versus Norfolk. And then Jackson State versus Grambling. These didn't make the cut. But these are some games you need to watch. And I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every single day, if you appreciated these games you need to watch, you're really going to appreciate the game of the week. And that is Southern versus Texas Southern in Arlington, Texas. Yep, the Arlington Football Showdown. That is our game of the week, and we'll be talking about that on tomorrow's episode. That's going to be everything we break down on Friday. Now, for your second listen of the day, make sure you guys are checking out our conference shows like Locked on ACC with Candace Cooper, friend of the show. Locked on SEC, who if they want to be friend of the show, they can be. I'm I'm always welcome for it. Um, And then also Locked on Pac-12, Big 12, and then can't forget about the Sun Belt. Shout out to my fellow non-Power 5 um conference show so in the meantime in between time if you're looking for me look at that lower third on the bottom of the screen that i'm still not confident enough to point at and follow me on twitter at south exclusives until the next time that we hear each other family take care stay blessed peace